0: Hey, everybody. What you are about to listen to is an episode of Am I Dying? Here at Offscript, we've taken the Am I Dying show, put a twist on it, and created the new Is It Serious podcast with Dr. Mark Lewis and Dr. Jean-Luc Neptune. Think of it this way. The Am I Dying docs discuss lots of symptoms, while the Is It Serious docs answer lots of questions. And all of the episodes are here on this feed for your listening pleasure. For new episodes, don't forget to subscribe, and thanks for listening
1: shouldn't that sound more depressing you're like you're like that person this is is the first do you know in those commercials where the person's picking up their catheter and they're like smiling (laughs) like who who wears a catheter it's like gonna answer the door smiling (laughs) this
0: is the first time i've ever read these words out loud
1: but i'm like why don't they have
0: realistic commercials hey everyone it's dr chris kelly
1: and i'm dr mark eisenberg
0: And we are here to answer the age old question, am I dying? Okay, everyone, welcome to the show today. We are going to be talking about a topic that occupies a disproportionate amount of our time and energy as cardiologists, and that is heart attacks. What is a heart attack? How do you know when you're having one? Uh, When people say it's serious as a heart attack, uh, is it really that serious? And most importantly... Will we be able to come up with any jokes about heart attacks on the fly? That I'm very pessimistic about.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think most people think, including me, how many times this month can I go to McDonald's or Burger King before I'm
0: at risk for a heart attack? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Okay. Do we know the
1: answer for that, by the way?
0: How many times are you up to?
1: (laughs) Wasn't there a McDonald's movie where someone just ate McDonald's every day for like two months? Supersize me. Yeah, I never saw it. Did you?
0: I did. I actually saw it in theaters. Believe it or not, but you know, it's funny. Someone has a really active social life. <laughs> it's. Uh, I saw it on a date. Bad choice for a date, by the way. You don't really feel too frisky after watching a guy shove uh, Big Macs and fries into his face for two hours. Plus, I don't. I don't think you want the title "Supersize." You do feel hungry, though, after watching that. And I, I actually did look pretty thin compared to the guy uh, who had been eating all the McDonald's. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think most people have this conception that uh, they're going to have a heart attack like right, right after eating a steak or after eating like deep fried whatever Oreos or sticks of butter at the State Fair. It's actually not when it usually happens. We, we can talk about when it usually happens, but um, certainly that's going to increase your chance of a heart attack. So b- before we go any further, maybe we should just k- hit the basics here and talk about what exactly a heart attack is.
1: Okay. So what is a heart attack? So we all have hearts with four chambers and our hearts- Mo- Most of us. Most of us. <laughs> and- I-
0: I've heard what your girlfriend say about you. <laughs>
1: Um, anyway, so we all have hearts with four chambers and we need, uh, the heart itself needs blood. So the heart has a bunch of arteries on top of the art that supply the heart with actual blood. Um, and what happens during a heart attack usually is one of the arteries that supplies the heart with blood actually gets a clot in it. There's a plaque and the plaque ruptures and the clot forms on top of it. And it decreases the amount of blood supply to that area of the heart. And that basically
0: makes that part of the heart uh, not having enough oxygen. So this is an interesting thing because I think when non-medical people hear about heart attacks, it's confusing because, right, the heart is full of blood all the time. Yeah, There's nothing but blood in the heart all the time. And and throughout the heart attack, there's blood in the heart. But the key insight is that the heart is a muscle, and that muscle needs its own blood supply. And yeah. the blood inside of the heart is not doing anything for it. Yeah, That's just the work. The arteries on top of it, which are called the coronary arteries, Break off into tiny little capillaries that you know fill up those muscles and and supply it with blood and yeah. and that's where the issue lies. So when we talk about part of the heart not getting blood, what we mean is an artery on the surface of the heart not supplying blood to the muscle on that part of the heart, not that there's any obstruction to flow within the heart, which you know exactly. there isn't.
1: Exactly. And these these arteries on top of the heart, imagine sort of like uh like um I don't know, uh, pipes. So what are plaques? So yes, if you eat at McDonald's and stuff over time you get plaques in these pipes. So imagine like rust in the pipes or sort of dirt and junk that sticks to the walls of these pipes. Um that's what a plaque is. Over time if you have bad, you know, high blood pressure or sugar problems and you eat very badly, plaques form on the walls. They sort of get stuck on the walls of these coronary arteries, which again you can see as pipes uh leading the blood to the heart. And these, these plaques sort of can rupture. And when they rupture, they open up and they expose the underlying cholesterol and stuff in the plaque to the platelets in the blood. And it causes this big clot It goes, and basically it can just sort of close off that blood supply to that whole area.
0: Your analogy reminds me of a recent story where uh, my wife and I, uh, this is funny, I probably shouldn't even confess this as a cardiologist, my wife and I got a deep fryer to <laughs> <laughs> occasionally make French fries or onion rings when uh, when we're in the mood for that kind of thing. And the first time that we ever used the deep fryer, I uh, was trying to figure out what to do with some of the grease uh, that was still stuck <laughs> in there. And... Uh, Leah, my wife, was like, I I don't think you should pour that down the drain. I think you should put it in the garbage. And I was like, well, I, I don't want to have oil all over our garbage. I think it's fine down the drain. She's like, I, I don't think you're right. And I said, I, I know I am. And I poured all this oil down the drain. And she's like, okay. And then the next day, uh, I'm at work, and she sends me a picture without any caption of a truck parked across the street (laughs) from our house with a huge sign on the side of it that says don't pour grease down the drain and they're pumping our pipes uh under the street so funny Uh, so this this story works on multiple levels because number one we were probably forming plaques in our own hearts uh by eating those french fries and number two uh seriously gummed up the works in the raleigh plumbing system
1: yeah so you know, I'm sure your neighbors don't like you for multiple reasons. But <laughs> yes,
0: this is just one.
1: <laughs> I think that pink flamingo you have on <laughs> your front lawn probably pisses off a few, too.
0: I, mean, I think it's the nightly fireworks display, actually, that really gets us into some trouble.
1: Okay, so we talked about what is a heart attack, right? So why don't we talk about what are the symptoms
0: of a heart attack? Okay, but, but before we go there, uh, I think this is just like one of the really key insights that you mentioned, and I want to make sure we uh, highlight it, that it's it's the the bad diet, the obesity, diabetes, smoking, high blood pressure, all that bad stuff, that forms the plaques over the years. And that's like setting a fuse, honestly, in your heart. Exactly you know, that steak that you eat is probably not going to do you any short-term harm. Maybe you'll get some reflux, but it contributes to cholesterol, which over the years is laying down plaque in your artery. And and that plaque is not stable like a regular uh, artery wall. It can crack open, as Mark said, and then a clot forms on top of it. And that's when you're really in trouble.
1: Yeah. So again, there's different types of heart attacks, but this coronary artery blockages is the most common type. The other types of heart attacks are pretty, pretty
0: rare. Yeah. That's like 99% is what we're talking about. Yeah. The
1: other type are like spasm or you know something to do with an infection um, and inflammation. So again, the most common, and that's what we're pretty much going to concentrate on today, is the plaque rupture, the heart attack with the coronary arteries being blocked. And again, the coronary arteries are the Arteries on top of the heart that supply your heart with blood, so it could pump appropriately.
0: So the question that everyone, I'm sure, is waiting for: what What does it feel like to have this, and how do you know if you have it? Yeah. So the classic symptom of a heart attack, of course, is chest pain, and uh, the chest pain is usually described by people has like a, a pressure or a tightness in their chest, someone sitting on their chest or squeezing their chest. An elephant sitting on their chest or their chest being squeezed. And, you know, they do. We I
1: guess podcasts, people can't see us right now, right?
0: Thank God. <laughs>
1: Actually, that's our biggest joke. We have, we've been told for years we both have faces for podcasts. Speak for yourself. I don't know how to describe this, but when people sit in your office saying they've been having some chest pain, they show of like the squeezing thing with their hands, right? Where their hands yeah. sort of like closes and turns at the same time
0: and actually a lot of people will painstakingly uh that's really the wrong word a lot of people will go out of their way to say that it's actually not pain it's just a discomfort or weird sensation
1: exactly you know it's funny actually not to get to a story but i i went on with this guy for a while saying do you have chest pain no do you have this no do you have this that and you know everything's fine we're walking out he's like you know I didn't tell you I have some discomfort in my chest. I'm like, back in the room, sir. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. But when we say chest pain, we're usually making pain synonymous with discomfort or any type of symptom you have in the chest.
0: Right. Okay. So it's this chest heaviness, pressure, squeezing, tightness usually it will get worse when you exert yourself. So anything that increases your heart rate, if you think about it, is going to make the problem worse because the underlying issue is that the heart muscle isn't getting enough blood. So if you're, you know, walking around, walking upstairs or feeling stressed, anything that gets your heart rate up is going to make the problem even worse because when the heart beats faster, it needs more oxygen rich blood, which it cannot get. Mm -hmm. So classically that, that is going to make things worse. Things that, usually do not make the pain from a heart attack worse include deep breathing uh, moving your arms and body around Uh, or pushing on the area. If those things make the pain worse, that makes it much less likely that it's a heart attack.
1: Wait, wait. But we also want to say, even though if you have discomfort in your chest, it could also radiate places. It could radiate to your back. It could radiate to your neck or your jawline, even to your stomach or to one of the arms. So again, when he's saying it doesn't get worse when you move your arm, it doesn't mean you're not feeling any pain in your arm or your neck when you're not moving. That's right. one thing. That's one thing. And the other thing is, um, you know, what happens is if you keep feeling, and yes, normally at first, it shouldn't get worse when you touch it. But if you keep touching your chest to see if <laughs> after a while, it might get hurt when you touch it because you've been bruising the area, which has nothing to do with.
0: Yeah, And it, it's worth mentioning here, if if people are wondering, the reason that you can kind of feel it all over the place and, and not just in one focal spot is because it's not, the, the, unlike the nerves on your skin, the nerves inside your body don't localize really that well to to parts of your body. So you can feel it kind of all over. It's not like always right in the area of your heart. It can just be all over your chest, arms, neck, because those nerves uh, aren't that specific. In contrast, if it's really specific to one exact spot on your chest, uh, and you know, pushing on it makes it worse, that's much more likely to be a muscular issue. Or something else.
1: So again, so discomfort in your chest that usually starts and doesn't go away can get worse when you're moving around. Uh, it could radiate to your neck, your arms, your back. Uh, you could feel shorter breath with it, which is also a very bad sign. Um, and uh, some people experiencing some nausea, vomiting, sweatiness. They can get cold and clammy also. Uh, And sometimes you can just get very dizzy and lightheaded. So again, the more symptoms you have at the same time, the more likely it is something like a heart attack or something very serious, like a lung clot.
0: Something we should point out here is that although chest pain is the classic major symptom of a heart attack, actually a lot of people have heart attacks without any chest pain. And, And sometimes all you get is just sudden shortness of breath, feeling really tired. Uh, sometimes it's nausea and just sort of general uneasiness and sweatiness. So, you know, if, if you have risk factors for heart disease, you know, you're on the older side, you have a history of diabetes, smoking, cholesterol, and you just have this sudden change that can't be explained, um, it's always good to consider the possibility of a heart attack because they can sometimes cause these very strange atypical symptoms. Again, sometimes no chest pain at all.
1: Yeah. So anyway, we have to take a break right now, but when we come back, we're also going to talk about how long do you wait before you call 911?
0: Not long. Stay tuned. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, "What's your secret?" Okay, we're back. In this episode, we are talking about heart attacks, 101, and 202, and 303 for that matter. Pretty much everything that you need to know about heart attacks. In the first half of the episode, we talked about what exactly a heart attack is, uh, highlighted the fact that it relates to the heart muscle not getting enough blood through the coronary arteries. talked about how a plaque in those arteries usually cracks open, causes a blood clot to form, and completely block that artery off. And then we talked about the major symptoms, which include chest pain in most, but not all cases, uh, as well as shortness of breath, lightheadedness, fatigue. Uh, sometimes you feel your heart racing, nausea, vomiting. Lots, lots of different symptoms. But bottom line, if you're at, if you're somebody who's at risk of having a heart attack and you have the sudden onset of any of those, it's something that you should definitely think about. So, yeah, Mark, you, you but, through... but wait,
1: wait, wait a second you're just saying fatigue. What does that mean to people? I mean, they're not just going to all of a sudden in the middle of you know, work day feel fatigue. What's, what does that mean?
0: To me it means if there's a sudden major change in how you feel, not just uh, that you're uh, creeping on to three o'clock and you need your coffee or you're feeling uh, a little run down by work. But I, I think that if you over the course of a few minutes go from feeling okay to feeling really uneasy, weak, uh, sweaty, sweaty, and nauseous. just clammy—that's that's a bad sign. Or racing heart, yeah. Okay, Mark. So you provocatively asked how long a person should wait before calling for an ambulance. I'd love to know your answer to that.
1: Well, you know, as they they always say, it's like time is money in the business world. You know, time is muscle in the heart world. So again, the longer you wait uh, to get to get any care, the uh, more likely you're going to have a bigger heart attack that's more extensive and affecting more of the muscle.
0: This is not something that you want to just try to sleep off. The sooner, it's like a stroke. The sooner you get treated, the better you're going to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, ideally in the first 10 to 20 minutes, you know, you should be chewing on an aspirin, right? Take a full aspirin, which is 325. If you don't have any, if you don't have allergies to aspirin, it is. If you have an allergy to aspirin, do not take an aspirin. But anyway, but you should be chewing on 325 milligrams of aspirin. Uh, which is four baby aspirin or one full aspirin, and calling nine one one. You know, if you really think you're having a heart attack, don't sit there and say, "Does anyone have an Apple Watch? Let me take my EKG." You know.
0: <laughs> With that being said, I think it's okay to wait a minute or two and just no, make no, sure no, no, you're not having yeah. gas or something that's passing. But uh, if if you're feeling off and and it's lasting more than a couple minutes, you should not wait. And and as Mark says take the aspirin and and call for an ambulance. Because if, listen, it happens all the time that people come in and they're not having a heart attack and they're completely fine, but it also happens all the time that they are. And this is a very high stakes thing. And and if, you know, it's not the end of the world if you go in and you turn out, you're fine, but it, it could be the end of your world if you don't go in and you did have a heart attack.
1: Yeah, so let's say you start having these symptoms only when you're exerting yourself, but then they go away when you relax. And then it happens again when you're moving around again. And so, again, even if the symptoms come and go, uh, you know, if you let's say you have these symptoms and they go away and then come back a few hours later, that is just as worrisome.
0: Yeah, if, if it's new and you haven't had that ever before, then that you should treat that like a heart yeah, attack for sure. Exactly,
1: because that just that could just mean that you have like this ninety percent blockage that's about to get to be a hundred percent. So again, if you have symptoms, you sit there and relax, and they go away, but then the same symptoms keep coming back and for the next few hours and stuff like that. Go, you know, chew on a chew on a full aspirin or call 911 and let them give you an aspirin and get to a hospital.
0: So Mark, you keep mentioning aspirin. Aspirin is really a cornerstone treatment for heart attacks. Do you want to explain to folks why aspirin is so helpful in this case?
1: Yeah, I mean aspirin first of all, when uh, especially when you chew it, it gets absorbed much quicker, but aspirin is not only an anti-inflammatory, but it's an anti-thrombotic. So again, it 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 covers two paths, the inflammation um, that's why you could take aspirin when you have back pain or a headache, but it also in heart attacks, it actually, you know, uh, it, it sort of breaks up the platelet clumping together. It's sort of an anticoagulant, uh, which is the problem when you use aspirin. I mean, again, it has two different mechanisms and each mechanism might be good for one thing, but again, when you're using aspirin for an anti-inflammatory, the risk factor there is that you're going to bleed because it also is an anti Thrombotic.
0: Right. So, so as Mark said earlier, a key thing with a heart attack is is not just that there's plaque, but that the plaque cracked open and a clot formed on top of it. And by taking an aspirin, you're preventing platelets from contributing to that clot, and it can help break that clot up and restore blood flow to the heart.
1: Not to confuse people more, and again, um, you know, there is something called an aortic dissection, usually in either very tall people who have uh, some type of. Um, You know, connective tissue problem, like Marfan's, or uh, people with high blood pressure who are much older, over the age of 60, and they actually can get a a tear or a rip in their aorta. And if you're having that, that's sort of a pain that goes all the way to the back also. Um, I mean, the problem with that is aspirin could actually make it a little worse, right?
0: Yeah, but honestly, I think almost all those folks end up getting aspirin anyway uh, in the in the ambulance if they didn't take it themselves. That's my point.
1: If you're that worried, call nine one one and let them decide. But in general, that would be probably one out of five hundred people probably in that setting with chest pain. Don't you agree?
0: Yeah, totally. So if you think you're having a heart attack and the people in the ambulance agree that you might be having a heart attack, the very first thing that they do after checking your blood pressure and, and making sure that you're stable for the next few minutes, is an EKG. So an EKG is a very simple test where uh, we basically put a bunch of stickers on your chest, arms, and legs, and connect wires to them, and it measures the electrical signal coming out of the heart. And this is a a very important first step because the most severe, life-threatening heart attacks will cause readily identifiable changes on that EKG. And so step one is just looking for those and seeing if you have them. So
1: they could diagnose it and localize which artery is blocked.
0: So the first thing they're going to do is look at that EKG. And if that EKG is consistent with a severe heart attack, uh, then things are going to happen very, very fast for you. Uh, They're going to basically take you... you
1: You hope they happen. You hope they're going to happen
0: fast for you. Things in theory should happen very fast for you. But essentially, they're going to take you immediately uh, to a procedure room. And using a sort of complicated series of wires and tubes and balloons, they are going to literally open the artery back up that closed down and put in a, a metal scaffolding, a metal tube called a stent to keep that artery open and prop it open so that it doesn't close down again. And that's very important.
1: It's not as scary as it sounds. Chris is making it sound like they're just going to end up in the ambulance, take a knife and cut open your chest.
0: <laughs> If they do that, uh, you should make a phone call. Uh, that That is not part of the procedure. They'll
1: always, when they do an EKG, either in the emergency room or an ambulance, and they could actually diagnose you're having a heart attack. Besides the aspirin, they might give you some sublingual like under your tongue nitroglycerin and some iv medications like beta blockers that might calm your heart Um, then the idea is to get you into one of these angiogram uh, rooms catheterization same thing an angiogram is a catheterization where they bring you in they'll give you a little sedation so you'll actually be awake for it um, you know and they actually go in through usually either your, your wrist your arm or the the uh, artery on top of the uh, on top of your leg near your groin they give you a little numbing medication it's like when you go to the dentist you get a little shot there to numb the area and that's all you should feel the rest of it is actually not that bad
0: apparently Apparently, i mean
1: i haven't had one thank god not three times but my point is i've seen
0: your lifestyle mark I, (laughs) i know it's coming i'm sorry to say
1: no don't jinx me
0: um i hope it never does I hope I hope that you remain very healthy for a very long time.
1: Anyway, so they give you a little numbing medication, and they sort of just insert a little tube, like a big IV, and they go up to the area near your heart uh, with the arteries, and they actually inject a little dye, and they can see if there's a blockage. And if there's a blockage, they do one of those little Rotorua things. They just open it up with a balloon and then put in this little, as Chris said, scaffolding stent uh, that stays in you. It's like getting a filling in your tooth. It's not much metal, and it opens it up, and you can be a new person.
0: So... If on the other hand, uh, when they check that first EKG, it doesn't look like you're having a really severe kind of heart attack, then you're probably going to spend quite a bit of time sitting around uh, because the next step at that point are checking other indicators uh, of a potential heart attack, and and those are blood tests. And uh, they'll usually check them right when you arrive, and if they look okay, they'll keep you in the emergency room for a couple hours and check them again because sometimes it it can take a little while for those tests to turn positive. Yeah. And then ultimately they'll make a decision about whether they need to take you for that procedure we just described or whether they're just going to treat with medications or whether they think that you didn't have a heart attack at all, in which case hopefully you're fine and you can go home.
1: Yeah. So let's say you're in the emergency room, you're still having your symptoms. uh, They haven't gone away or even if they went away, but they're trying to figure out what the symptoms are. So other things that can sort of be the same type of symptoms are, as we said, Lung clots. so I'm sure they might want to do some blood tests or sometimes a CAT scan to make sure you're not having a clot that went to one of your lung arteries called pulmonary arteries, pulmonary embolus, Uh, so a lung clot can present the same way. Again, a tear in the main artery uh, leading out of the heart called the aorta, dissection, that can cause the symptoms. Uh, You could actually have a really bad ulcer or reflux. So, you know, you have your mouth, your esophagus, your stomach. The acid in your stomach can sometimes cause such pain up your esophagus, it could actually present the same way. You could be sweaty, chest discomfort, nausea, you know, other things it could be. It could be pericarditis, which is when the outer lining of the heart, the pericardium is inflamed. Uh, That usually happens in people a week or so after they have a regular cold, uh, so pericarditis, when you have inflammation uh, outside the heart, that could also present this way. Anything else, Chris, you could think of?
0: Uh, lung infection, pneumonia, yeah, uh, pulled muscle in the chest, acid reflux. I mean, there's a lot of different things that can cause these symptoms. And like I said, hopefully you'll have one of those and not have a heart attack. Yeah, uh, But it's it's always better to be safe than sorry because- You don't want to miss this.
1: Yeah. So I guess we'll have to have another podcast on some other related issues, like who's at risk for a heart attack, uh, what to do after you've had a heart attack, right? So I guess that will take over another. Well,
0: after you've had a heart attack, you should listen to the good advice of your doctor. Well, that's true. But I I think we actually already did talk about who's at risk. I mean, the older you get, the more at risk you are. Men are at more risk than women uh, for the most part. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's not to say that women are not at risk, and it's yeah. a major killer of women. But, no, but on average, men are at higher risk than women.
1: Yeah, but when people go to an emergency room and you know a woman you know is there with chest pain, they might not be taken as seriously if we tell everyone. Well.
0: That's not what I mean. They obviously should be. I'm
1: not sure what you mean.
0: Just because a man is slightly more likely than a woman to have a heart attack at any given age doesn't mean a woman can't have a heart attack. Yeah. Any women listening to this who have these symptoms should take them just as seriously. But we talked about risk and being male is a risk factor.
1: Yeah. And people who smoke, people of high blood pressure that's not treated, people of high cholesterol who are not on a cholesterol medication, and people who have... Um, Did I talk about diabetes and people with diabetes that's not under control? Uh, So again, those are people that are at risk for actually having that big heart attack.
0: Other things that are relevant here are also family history. Uh, So if your parents had heart attacks, especially at a younger age, in their 50s, 40s, 30s, then you're at much higher risk. Uh, Some autoimmune diseases uh, can increase your risk. A lot of of different things, but better safe than sorry. No matter who you are, if you have symptoms and you're concerned, get them checked out right away. Yep. Uh, so in answer to our final question, Mark, I think we made exactly zero jokes about heart attacks.
1: Well, unfortunately, it's not that, well, not that big a, you know, it's not much to laugh about. But the other thing is, we should say before we leave is when's the most common time for people to have heart
0: attacks? All right, because it's not really when you're eating the steak. It's funny, uh, an acute stress and Monday mornings – Driving in traffic is the number one time uh, to have a heart attack. Monday morning in traffic. And it's interesting. They've shown actually during major like FIFA games or athletic events uh, or other sort of life stressors. uh, That's when when people have the heart attack. Christmas is another big one.
1: Christmas Eve at like 4 p.m. Anyway, the other time – time of day that i always remember from my training is like six in the morning like that's why people wake up with this chest heaviness because at six or seven in the morning your natural cortisol levels are at its highest
0: also right that's why i always set my alarm for 7 30 <laughs> so you sleep through
1: it anyway thanks for joining us today check out our book am i dying a complete guide to your symptoms and what to do next and uh, feel free to give us a review on the podcast
0: If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Am I Dying is a production of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Karen Lee is our production manager. Darren Tan is our production intern. Am I Dying is recorded, mixed, and edited by Ariel Nachman. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments and feedback. For more information, visit offscript.com.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan
0: the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator